0: Hello everybody and welcome to Those Who Pod, brought to you by MGODAO. This is Reese, back to you with another episode, an emergency episode. Uh, due to the events that took place on Sunday. Uh, here as always with WD and Pillium. What's up, guys? What's
1: going on? Doing great. What's up, guys?
0: So uh so we got some revenge on the scumbags this Sunday. Um <laughs> Hunter Dickinson, obviously hit the shot heard around the world. Um, I've watched this video about a thousand times now. Um, went in, stole a win and, uh, back in the, uh, NCAA tournament picture, um, WD, were you at this game?
1: Oh yeah. Right in the front row behind the bench. You could see us on TV. Most of the game, uh, definitely the loudest Chrysler has been all year. I think even louder than the, uh, game last, the previous weekend. Um, and it was a must must have game. Uh, it really looked dicey there, down down the stretch. Um, but they the guys found a way to pull it out uh, and finally do something late in the game under Jawan, tying the game up on that Hunter shot. That that was really great to finally get over that hump and pull pull something out
2: late, but with, with a Jawan coach team. All right, Pilliam, what's your reaction? Well, that shot was just how Coach Howard drew it up. I mean, it really – you couldn't execute it better. You know, what can I say? Uh, But, no, I mean, that was was just a crazy moment. My heart was pounding. You know, that was not healthy as a game. Like, I I did not – it was very fun to watch because I thought we were going to win for a while. And then, you know, after the the second half hit, I was like, oh, no, this is not – this is going to end horribly. I can't believe this is where it all ends and then uh you know we come we came back and win it you know we're just a better team than them and it's no luck involved and we're just better than them and you know you know they're just a bunch of scumbags i guess i don't really know what else to say but i mean yeah <laughs> we still need to work on those Jawan inbound plays at last seconds that <laughs> still needs to be corrected but i'm very happy with the result but i mean just some crazy individual performances like you know hunter and, and kobe specifically i mean just that was that was definitely a dickinson legacy game like that was certified legacy game, legacy moment. Um, you know, that's gonna be a play that's you know, played in like you know you see those, like YouTube videos where it's like, oh, best Michigan plays, you know, best Michigan basketball plays of all time or something. That will be on there. So really just an awesome moment to watch a lot. and I'm jealous of WD for being there.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, the maze rage was bumping, and um it was it was deafening when when he made that shot to tie it. When I I was a little more subdued with my reaction just because you know I, I've I've been to games before where, for example, the game against Oregon and Jawan's first year where Franz hit the t- the the tying shot at the buzzer but we lost in overtime so I kind of remembered that one and it just kind of saved my energy to get loud uh, for the overtime period because I mean we as as we've said we that that game was necessary that that would have probably knocked us firmly back into the NIT picture um, if we hadn't won it so now big two games to end the regular season. I, I think we kind of got to take one of them at least to feel good about getting into the, uh, the big dance.
2: No,
0: yeah, I, I think we got to win one, in the one in the regular season. Then one of the big 10 tournament is what I'm hearing. Um, but yeah, what a, what a shot by Hunter though. Uh, got the result we needed. Um, I mean, just absolute pandemonium. Uh, there was a good video, Uh, someone named cams on the sideline he's i think the guy in like the big bird uh outfit he had a nice uh video from the student section uh to give us all a point of view from there and uh shout out to the guy who yelled shoot as hunter was about to shoot it um who knows where we'd be now without you um but yeah i mean i is there any example of a seven footer hitting a three-point buzzer beater uh to win a game um because usually you have, like, a guard or a wing taking that shot. And uh, it was just hilarious to watch Hunter take that shot and then nail it. So, um, yeah, I mean, can you guys think of any examples of that?
2: The only thing I think similar is when Drummond – Audrey Drummond hit, like, a 60-foot shot or something crazy with the Pistons. He just chucked it at the backboard and it went in. I think it's going into halftime. I'm actually going to look it up right now. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, it feels like with the game on the line, you want – the ball in the hands of your best shooter and that doesn't always happen but it's just hilarious for it to end up in Hunter's hands and he made a great play to uh, even just corral the ball and then was able to turn around and get the shot off and uh, I think that might have been blocked if it wasn't a 7 foot guy uh shooting that ball so um just yeah kind of a hilarious vision and I yelled very loudly in my apartment
1: I was oddly comfortable that he took that shot because I mean Hunter's not a bad three point shooter by any means for a big um and when it, when it came off his hands, I was like, oh my goodness, that has a chance. And he got it. I can't remember a big hitting a shot like that for Michigan, and at least not that I saw with my own two eyes um, when it happened. Um, as far as like it being a, like, I uh, I mean, that was way beyond the NBA three-point line. Um, the only thing I could kind of compare it to was, this is going way back to the mid-2000s when Dion Harris hit a, a buzzer beater in the NIT to win the game, but he wasn't a big, he was a guard. <laughs> Um, But just like that shot was a prayer, too. And it it went in. So that's really the only comparison I can think of right off the top of my head.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I felt confident per se. (laughs) Like that play looked like it was dead. (laughs) That play was just screwed. I was about to just go crazy. Then as soon as he hoisted that shot, I was like, at first on the TV, I was like, that looks a little weird. Like the way he was kind of angled, like to, to, to the side and he, he just shot it. And I was like, I don't know, guys. I just remember sitting there thinking like, oh no, <laughs> that's definitely not going to make it. And then it just went in. I was, I just went crazy. I think I had these exact same uh, reaction as Dow over here. I just screamed super loud, which sucked because my window was wide open. So just someone definitely heard me. who was like outside. So that was kind of awkward, but like I felt bad for my neighbors that moment. But I didn't care. I had the TV turn up to like forty, whatever. I, w- I was definitely ready to go, and it was a—it's a legendary Michigan moment right there. That's a legacy shot. You don't see those every day. So no, that—that's
1: gonna, that, yeah, that's gonna be on uh, the pregame video for years to come. That shot. Um, oh, for sure. Especially when you hit those buzzer beaters at home. I mean, neutral site is great in the tournament. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's really special when you can do it in front of a home crowd.
2: Also, just to save a season, like, like the context is huge.
1: Yeah, definitely. If we wind up making the NCAA tournament, that that's definitely that'll only make that play bigger. Um, but I, and I, for Hunter's sake, I really hope that we can make the NCAA tournament and make that shot immortalized.
2: I, I you know, I, I think for Hunter Dickinson's legacy, he kind of did need something like this. Like, he's been a great player, obviously, his whole career. You know, we've had our critiques on defense and rebounding, et cetera, and like some of the antics, but like, you know, on the court, there hasn't, in my opinion, been that like super defining moment, if that makes sense. He's had a lot of great games. Don't get me wrong. You know, some of those MSU games kind of come to mind as far as defining moments. But like, that shot, to me, is what I'll kind of remember Hunter Dickinson by. You know, I don't think he's gone at the end of this year. It seemed like, you know, in that post-game interview, it seemed like this wasn't his last game here. But, you know, Chrysler. But, I mean, just in general, it feels like like when we talk about Hunter Dickinson, five years, ten years from now, a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, when they talk about Hunter Dickinson's career here at Michigan, they're going to talk about that shot. I think irregardless of what happens in the coming, you know, days and weeks.
1: That and him running down the court and just screaming at Mark Turgeon every time he made a basket. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think, I think the the lewd gesture that he does will probably be talked about. For another <laughs> another.
0: Yeah. So I, I was kind of happy he uh, was a little bit vindicated with his ski mask from a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, I, I love the move walking into Wisconsin with a ski mask. Uh, unfortunately, didn't win the game. So a little bit, uh, not not the best result there, but he kind of got a little bit of revenge on that one, and uh, he tweeted it out after. So, yeah, I think all's well that ends well. Um, hopefully we are able to get back in the tournament. But kind of brings me to my next uh, question is, I don't know how many, if any, schools in the past 10 years have as many season-saving buzzer beaters as Michigan. Uh, I tweeted out that we were buzzer beater uh, a couple days ago. I mean, you got Trey in 2013 against Kansas. That was in the Elite Eight. Team goes on to play for the NCAA championship. Uh Cam Chapman kind of saved the season in the Big Ten tournament in 2016. Uh, I'm not sure the team would have made the big uh, the NCAA tournament without that one. Uh Jordan Poole, obviously against Houston in round two. Team ends up playing for the national championship. And then this one with Hunter uh, keeping the tourney hopes alive. So that's four in the past 10 years where uh someone, you know, Michigan's had their season saved on a buzzer beater. Um, yeah, I just don't know if any, if any other teams have that, or it feels like Michigan does this a lot.
1: Great to have them at the right times. I, I certainly remember when being on the other side of those. So, and it sucks. So uh, it's really good to see it, you know, kind of falling in our favor, the buzzer beaters. And I hope it continues to, to fall that way. Cause, uh, as I said, <laughs> I've, I remember some bad ones uh, that did not go our way, like uh, 2011 against Wisconsin. So, and it, it was also nice, 10 years after uh, the Ben Brust three to send it to OT and cost us a Big Ten title. Uh, we, we got them with one 10 years after the fact, though it didn't cost them a title or anything like that, because they're, which I don't, they're like above us in the uh, tournament projections still, which I, I kind of think is a little bullshit, but.
0: Yeah. We are also ahead of North Carolina, which is odd to me since they beat us and have a better record, but, uh,
2: I don't think any of these, uh, these brackets, I don't know (laughs) what to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Every uh, bracket's really different. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. So I was, I was a freshman in my dorm room in what 2010 when, uh, Evan Turner hit a buzzer beater against us, like a half court buzzer beater to, uh, kick us out of the big 10 tournament. So yeah, we've definitely been on the wrong side of it too, a few times, but, uh, Yeah, just in the past 10 years, we've had four season-saving Buster Peters, which is uh,
2: pretty wild to me, all from three points. Bring up that name, Evan Turner, just reminds me of him putting me in hell in 2K11 with my career. So thank you for that. That was terrible. If anyone's played 2K11 and knows how good that game's been or was at the time, and that my career where you had to do the pre-draft combine, Evan Turner had me in hell. I hate Evan Turner for that. He was so annoying. If anyone, you guys ever play that game?
0: No, but I wish that was my least favorite Evan Turner memory.
2: That is my least. I remember, I like, I still play some of the 2K11 soundtrack because it's that good. I have it on my Spotify lights every once in a while. Like, it's not like Deli will pop up. And I remember just getting cooked by him. I remember just getting smoked. And I had John Wall next to me. I was just like, yeah, we got to get this. Like, we got to get going or whatever. Like, we got to get this fixed. And he would just smoke, man. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of bad memories of Evan Turner. He usually tweeted who's better than KD or something like he, he tweeted something crazy recently. I forgot what it was. He wasn't better than KD or like some guy plays like him or something. But I'll get back on topic. But I mean, as far as like last second shots, I don't think anyone's had the volume Michigan's had. I mean, obviously the Jordan Poole one and the Trey Burke one are the two biggest, just due to the moment. But I mean, you got to think of like the ones for uh, NC State, you know, with you know Jimmy V, Jimmy Valvano, and you got like Christian Leitner hit too. I mean, there's been some crazy ones, but like I think as far as like numbers, I I feel like a school that oddly does it enough was another school that did this weekend was Arizona State. I don't know why. I feel like they hit them, like every once in a while. I don't know why I feel that way, but I feel like they've hit another one in the, in the recent past beyond this weekend over Arizona.
1: It was
2: a it was a wild weekend in
1: college basketball. There were there were buzzer beers all over the country, and I was, they kind of made me a little nervous going into game Sunday just because the dumb luck Wisconsin's had against us over the years and. I'm just glad it worked out the other way, and just you mentioning Evan Turner, uh, the <laughs> dread that comes over my freaking body. I'm that makes me even more thankful for how, how terrible Ohio State is now, and I I'm so happy they're keeping Chris Holtman. Give that man an extension.
2: Uh, let's not let's not wish that too soon, all right? I mean, like, I still think he's a good coach. Like I mean, it's one bad year. Uh, let's 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 relax. They still have sense of ball for next year. They'll be, if they can NIL and you know just. Uh, and I mean, you know, they could be something next year. So like, let's chill on that talk. But like, it, there's, there's a chance he might be a fraud. It's easy to be a fraud, with no Dwayne Washington this year though. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, Dwayne Washington was really good.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess Villanova would be one that I would randomly guess. I know they had, uh, that one yeah, to win the national battle. championship. A that few was years crazy. Ago. That was another one I was going to bring up. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was a great one. But, uh.
2: Hey, owned that's, that's a program that owns us, sadly. Yeah,
0: sadly. Um, moving gotcha. on, though, from that. Uh, <laughs> so Under, I think uh, another storyline from this game is Kobe Bufkin uh, just emerging as, like, a potential superstar. Um, right now, he has the best uh, shooting percentage at the rim in the Big Ten above Zach Edie. Um, I mean, an absolute stud right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah kobe buffkin making a leap that even i think the most optimistic of us probably wouldn't have predicted this year um and then doug mcdaniel also just uh had zero rebounds and assists but his shooting has been um way more than i expected i i kind of you know expect those no 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 yes shots to go in now and uh yeah, he just does it, like, a few times a game where, you know, he hits the he hits a three-pointer that he just pulls up from a dribble or he, uh, you know, takes it to the hoop and somehow banks into, like, a weird floater. Um, so, yeah, those two are really fun to
2: watch. Well, you know what's really impressive about that Kobe Bufkin stat about him finishing up the rim is that he's actually – I've seen him in real life. He's, like, 5'4". So be sure to tell and tweet at every NBA scout he's actually 5'4". <laughs> And like I don't think he should be looked at at all for the NBA. I mean, I'm five eleven. I was, you know, looking down on him. You know, little guy. It's really impressive. So I mean, you know, but I mean, jokes aside, the guy is just. I mean, he's he's just insane. I mean, he's he's an incredible player. I mean, the jump he's made is is just so impressive. Like, like actually, I mean that 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 baseline jumper to the right side where it was really tight down there on the fourth. I mean, that was a huge shot. That was that's was from Kobe Bean Buffkin. You know, stuff Kobe Bean Bryant type stuff. That was. That was just crazy. I mean, he, he really is incredible. And just three-point shooting. He's solid on defense. I mean, he's, you know, I really hope he stays. <laughs> That's how I feel about him. I mean, I, I think he's probably our best player. Um, you know, he's a really developed into one. And, I mean, it's, it's just really cool to watch for our eyes. Because I remember last year thinking, like, hey, you know, by year three, I thought he might be something lesser than this. For him to do this now is just absurd. It's super impressive. I mean it it's it's really awesome. So I mean it, it'd be a shame, you know, if he doesn't get that chance in you know, the other big dance to make some happy. Because I think if he gets the chance, he will. Like, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't I don't watch a whole lot of Oklahoma State basketball besides last night when I watched him lose so to kind of help us, you know, help us out a little bit. But like I don't know if like West Virginia or Oklahoma State has a guy like him. You know, no disrespect, but like Kobe's just incredible.
1: He's too short and he needs another year or two to to develop here. <laughs>
2: Yeah, definitely
0: needs to hit the weight room a little bit more, um, you know. Work on his shot. Yep. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> definitely do not, like, do not let NBA scouts get his footage. Like, whatever you do, if you know someone who likes NBA scouting, just be like, hey, Kobe Bufkin. I don't know who that is. You know, he's a rotational guy. He's in the rotation, but, like, you know. <laughs> like, uh,
0: anyway. I mean, luckily for us, um, at his current trajectory, he could come back next year and, you know, be a lottery pick um so he could definitely come back and make a lot of money um especially depending on how our tournament season goes this year Uh, i may have some unfinished business as a college athlete so uh you you always kind of hope that some guys have that in them that they want to come back and show up for their school and you know get the full tournament experience so yeah i mean um hope he comes back absolutely and uh our team's looking a lot better next year if he does. I mean, everybody
1: except Joey Baker, I think, can come back next year. So, I mean, that's, I mean, nine new guys on the team. I knew there were going to be some some struggles this season. And I think I mentioned this before, but at the Maze Ridge, uh meeting to kick off the season, uh, Jay Smith was there, who's the director of player personnel. And he mentioned to us that, you know, we got to be loud because we're going to be down in some games early on in the season because of all these new guys. And, it's, and I got the sense that we were going to have some struggles just from that him saying that alone, I think the coaches even had an idea that this was not going to be an easy year. Um, because, I mean, that is a that is huge turnover. I mean, there was a point the other day um, against Wisconsin, there was one guy on the floor who was on the team last year, and it was Terrence Williams.
2: Crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think it could be overstated how much having a freshman point guard, especially one with like the physical limitations that Doug has, um, how impressive he's been. Um, as a freshman, uh that just doesn't really happen that often and um yeah, he's not perfect, but he's he's just making a lot more plays than I ever expected him to um so yeah, him and Kobe have just been amazing surprises
1: I, I think I mean Kobe was McDonald's all American and between yes. him him Musa and Caleb, his classmates i mean he's he's looking the most like the McDonald's kid as far as his college careers going. Very true.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people were predicting like a Karis Levert type leap for him, but I think he's kind (laughs) of, he did like a two year Karis Levert leap in one year. So uh, that's good to see.
2: No, it's crazy about the whole, uh, you know, uh, Buffkin, you know, all america thing. I remember just listening to like preseason college basketball podcasts. People were like, What do we like about, you know, Kobe Buffkin? And I was like, Nothing. And they were like, Nothing. I don't really like him. And like, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, I don't have like super high, I didn't have these high expectations. So I thought like, you know, I think a little jump, very similar to like, you know, Jordan Poole, or Isaiah Livers, you know, very solid, similar, you know, Michigan wing trajectory type, you know type progression because I mean we've we've kind of had that trend now for a while. So kind of expected something similar. I've never expected something like this to happen. So I mean it's cool to kind of you know see him just kind of come all together as just as a as a complete athlete. I mean where he is where he currently currently projects in the draft, I gotta say by now he might be nearing Lotto, honestly. With these games, especially if he has another one between Indiana and Illinois and the big time tournament. I mean who knows? Like it, it like it is like he's he's playing out of his mind. Like it's crazy. Like I mean, all I hope is that he just stays. Like that's all I hope. But like you know, it's it's really impressive.
0: Yeah, he's definitely still too short, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, yeah, way
2: too short. I mean, you know, he's got to he's got to you know, in order to get like peanut butter off the top of the shelf, he's got to get a little ladder. So you know, definitely not not there to be you know in the in the in the NBA quite yet. Give me a year.
0: (laughs) So um, WD mentioned another guy who I wanted to give some props to, and Uh, that's Terrence Williams. been taking a lot of crap this year on social media but leads the team in plus minus the past two games with a grand total of six points scored so um the man is doing something right uh i don't know what do you guys make of this i mean some
1: guys are just better off the bench than they are in a starting role and i I think that's clearly the case here uh that's kind of what we saw with duncan robinson um he got replaced by livers as a starter his senior year and he completely reinvented himself he was the team's best defender after w- people were calling him unkin for three years because of his lack of defense so i mean i think that's similar to what t will is going through here and it's great to see i'm happy for him because people he was getting a lot of crap from a lot of people
2: yeah no i completely agree i mean it was it, like the social media stuff was a little crazy with t Will. i was like geez like people are like t Will and stuff i was like come on like relax you know he's, he's trying every day you know going pro working in practice stuff like that he clearly you know Hear some of the stuff that people are going on, so I was like, "Hey, that's pretty unfair." Like he clearly was struggling, but like this, uh, he really is one of those type of bench defender leaders that it, like a good team needs. Like that's that to me, his he's finally found his real role. I think they tried to make him more of like a perimeter for like a stretch four, but like it's, it's just clear, you know, his, his stroke looks there, like on, on free throws, it just doesn't look right when he's on the court, especially like how he lines up his feet. I always notice are kind of strange, so. You know, they've kind of switched him to this more defensive, you know, even kind of like a a, a fast break starter. When he gets those boards, he just starts running down the court, and he has the athleticism, the ability to kind of drive. And I think he's at his best when he's at the top of the key, gets the ball, and then just starts driving like a maniac. And just drives in and gets fouled. I think that's where he's at as absolute best on offense. And I think he's doing more of that than than just taking random threes Uh, because he's shooting, what, I think 27% is what I'm hearing. So, you know taking more of those drives and then playing really solid defense. He plays super good help. He gets good rebounds. And I, I think it's always been an issue with Michigan basketball for the last, you know, under the Juwan Howard uh, regime has kind of been rebounding. So to have a guy that's like super aggressive, willing to go in whenever, just having that having that will to do and having that kind of leader, the like older guy on the team has been super helpful. And it's been awesome to see. And another guy I kind of want to shout out on top of this is Joey Baker, because I think Joey Baker has become – you know, the player, like towards the later, towards the later half of the season that we needed, that I think the, the coaching staff thought that T-Will would be. So I, I, you know, I want to give huge props to Joey Baker for, you know, how he's creating shots for himself, how he's shooting. I mean, some of those shots he are just massive. I mean, he's a really solid player. So, I mean, it's been kind of cool to kind of see, I think he's kind of taken that role as that kind of external threat for, you know, when Hunter gets the, gets the ball down low. Then uh, you know it's kicked out to Joey. It's it's just another shooter, but it's one that's just shooting at a higher clip right now than T. Will. So you know T. Will's been awesome, like like really has been. And those plus minus the stats, I mean, you can kind of see on the floor that the team plays better on defense when he's out there. So you can see on those rotations too. Whenever it's uh you know it's we need some foul shots, he's on there when we need defense. Then when you know it's time to time to flip, you know usually Joey Baker subs in for him or you know vice versa. You know depending on which way we're going down. So it's um uh, I think we've kind of you know solidified our roles a little bit and. Kind of figuring things out at the right time.
0: Absolutely, uh, yeah. Joey Baker has been looking a lot better lately, and of course, we can't forget Terrace Reed. Uh, had a couple more blocks this game, Seconds um, so. plays down low. Uh, really excited to see what he turns into. Has um, really uh, limited the fouls also his past few games. So, um, yeah, I mean, another another guy who's just on a. Upward trajectory and uh,
2: just bodes really well for next year. Um, he's hitting at a higher clip with his free throws. Like he's yeah, looking, it's looking way better, and that's the biggest part of his game, in my opinion, is hitting those free throws. Absolutely,
0: because like he just draws and ones, um, and so if he can and draws fouls, so if he can, you know, turn those
2: into points more often, um, which I think he will, he's definitely going to be a problem yeah i mean he's just so big and strong that like it's almost impossible not to follow me. he's driving to the to the paint i mean driving driving in the score i mean that that correction especially in the off season when that comes man he's going to be a threat next year just with more time just kind of learning the game more it's going to be awesome so i mean I'm, I'm i'm really like happy with the progression we've seen over the last couple of weeks with this free throw shot i know a lot of people were like oh 20 whatever whatever but i mean his, his stroke looks really good right now i mean his, his shooting form looks good and you know i mean i'm 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 pleased with what's going on there that 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 kind of big man lineup with that that dickinson you know Reed kind of lineup i i think that gives teams a lot of struggles in in the big time i you know i know but the rutgers game especially which is a game we haven't really talked about a whole lot but i mean that game was huge for our resume we needed a big game like that i think that was a quad one right yeah and an away game which is huge yeah it's hard to win it at, at the rack but uh you know it's uh i mean that that lineup gives teams a lot of trouble I mean, those are two giant humans, and, and they have very different skill sets with, you know, Dickinson kind of being a more finesse type player and Reed kind of being that more, you know, like, I'm going to run it, like, I'm going to run you over, like, almost like a football player, you know, playing basketball a little bit. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool, you know, to kind of see how that lineup kind of works for a lot of these, you know, smaller stretch fours and, you know, having, you know, Reed go in there or if we have, you know, face a center like Edie or something like that, you know, having someone that's, or, or a Trace Jackson Davis, someone who's super athletic at the, at the four position. I think having Reed out there, especially with this Indiana game coming out was key, but uh, you know, it's kind of cool. That kind of lineup kind of works and they kind of throw it in towards the end of games. If you notice towards the end of the second half, because I think there's something that they see where defensively, I think that team's just, I I don't think they go in. I think they they have to shoot it more because it's just two giant humans down there. So that's kind of what I'm kind of seeing, but it's been really fun to watch that lineup kind of develop. Yeah.
0: So uh, yeah. So the Rutgers game, Absolutely a huge away win. Um, kind of turned their game around on them, uh, just with some great defense, especially in the second half. Um, and yeah, held them to I don't I don't remember what it was like forty some points. Yeah, forty-eight. Um, yeah, it
2: was forty-eight points.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, huge win. Tough place to play, um, but. Yeah, I think we've we our our record in basketball against Rutgers is now like fifteen and one or something like that. So, yep,
2: um,
0: sixty six and
2: yeah. awesome. Rip.
0: <laughs> also, that was but a yeah, game. We own Rutgers. What's up?
2: That's a huge Doug game. Rutgers. Absolutely. I mean, he, he went off in a game that no one could score. That was a big time slug fashion. he he balled out. I mean, I think that was his most impactful game all year. That's that's high praise. I mean, he's been really great all year.
1: I didn't even expect to win that game, to be honest. I mean, just based on how we've played on the road all year, and that being like one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten as far as the crowd noise level goes, um, I was very surprised. Rutgers did us a favor by not shooting very well, uh, only scoring forty-five points. But part of that is the defense we've been playing lately, and uh, that that's that is another thing that has just really ratcheted up in this month of February, as we're coming down the stretch
2: here. Yeah, so... Go ahead. No,
0: I was just going to say, we started off, I think it was like 13-3 to 3 to start that game. Uh, Rutgers was up, and uh, from that point on, we kind of uh, just took control of the game, and, yeah, it was a fun one to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, just the impact that it kind of had on our rating is super important, too. That's that's a really tough play. I think that teams are what are... I don't want to misquote the statistic, but it's it's a very... Low losing percentage for Rutgers when they're at their uh, when they're at home. I mean that's a really tough environment. The, their fans are loud. That uh that trapezoid they play in, trapezoid at death is not uh, the most fun place to play in. You know we played their game to a T. They really did. I mean I'm i I think that's you know one of the proudest moments besides this Wisconsin game of the year.
1: Yeah, um the part of the the noise level there is it's it's all really small buildings so that really it's like more like a gym than an arena I would say so that that's that always will make it louder when you're playing somewhere where there's a lot less people but uh yeah and I mean that that's a good win that is a really good win over a pretty decent team I think so and then you know that that only prep these guys for going to even more difficult environments coming up this week
2: well also I think what's interesting is that that's you know kind of being mentioned as kind of like a narrative but it's like Jawan's. Record in February is just crazy. I think he's only lost four games in the month of February in his entire career thus far, which is, like, that's something that needs to be mentioned now. Like, it, it, it's it's a thing, you know? It's January, Juwan, and March. A, a wise
0: man once said, January, Juwan, and March. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that kind of uh, flies in the face of anyone who wants to call Juwan a bad coach. Um, yeah, he's consistently turning around teams that, you know, kind of start the season off a little rough, a lot of new point guards, a lot of new players. And yeah, he's consistently turned them into a winning product uh, year after year. So if you can make the tournament this year and somehow make some noise. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd like to say, look out for next year, but uh, yeah, might be able to do something this year.
1: And it's just crazy to think. I mean, if we score and not in, in, in you know, Wisconsin, we held them at their place. To zero uh, field goals in the last ten minutes. If we if we actually do well and win that game and close it out, and if we beat Purdue in that r- great home atmosphere at Chrysler, and right now we're in first place in the Big Ten, tied with Purdue. It, so I mean, this team really is not that far off. Um, it's just you know had some rough start to this, have had a rough start to the season, and um, that's kind of keeping us out of the title picture. Um, But, you know, to to even still have the door cracked open a little bit for it during the last week, of the regular season is pretty remarkable after where things were at one point after that central
0: game. Yeah. And by some metrics, uh, we have like the second most efficient team in the Big Ten right now. So um, not only are we tied for second, but yeah, this team, this team is really close to being uh, not just like in the tournament, but, you know, a solid tournament threat, I think.
1: I mean, I, I think if, if it's even close, like if we're we're really, like we're one of the schools they show having like a watch party or something for unselection Sunday. So we're like on the tournament bubble. I think they'll give, I'll think we'll, they'll get us in regardless. Um, and I, obviously we can't go 0-3 in these next three games, but say we take one and maybe drop two, but one of them is a road game, uh, either Illinois or Indiana. I still think we'll get in just because the NCAA does like to have, some big name teams in Dayton for the first four because those games aren't usually well, um, attended or they don't get really high TV ratings. I think we saw that with MSU a couple of years ago, they got in the first four where they had a really close to 500 record. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that winds up being the case and we are in Dayton. Um, but I, like I said, you can't, you can't lose out obviously, but, um, I'm definitely eyeing, um, the tickets in Dayton for the first four for sure.
2: And, I mean, also, we got to consider the fact that statistics statistics this year seem to really love the Big Ten, even though I don't. Killiam is not a fan of the Big Ten this year in basketball. Statistics just seem to love them. I don't know what the deal is. So, I mean, I think there's, like, nine teams as of right now that are, that are having a bid. And, I mean, like, you know, there's teams like Penn State that are good, that are on the bubble. And I think, like, Penn State probably is better than Arizona State from what I'm kind of watching a little bit. Like, I haven't watched a whole ton of ASU basketball, you know, outside of Franklin's or whatever, but, like. I, I I think that they're better. Like they're kind of they're both kind of like random sporadic teams. But I mean, you know, Wisconsin's pretty good. They have random quad one wins. I don't know how Wisconsin's won the game, some of the games they have this year. They're super weird this year, Wisconsin. But I mean, it's uh, like I mean, if if the Big Ten is seriously that they honestly believe it is the second best conference, it's really us in the Big Twelve. Then I mean, let's let's fill out those final four spots with Big Ten and Big Twelve teams. I don't really see where we got to throw in a Pac twelve team that you know for a week patch 12 conference, you know, that they, the statistics seem to believe that. I, I don't know how true that is. We've kind of noticed that the Pac-12 a couple years where they're kind of underrated going into the tournament and they kind of win some games. They probably shouldn't. So what do you guys kind of think of that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that would be good for the first four, for sure. If they put in uh, teams that, you know, probably deserve to be there. uh just based on the strength of their schedule playing in, uh, the two best conferences for what, at least what people think. I don't really think the big tens, one of the two best conferences. No, uh, either. I don't think, one. Well, I think it's, I'm still kind of sticking by my prediction that uh, no big 10 team is going to make it past the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, um, including Purdue, spe- actually, especially Purdue after lately. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I just, but I, I, I mean, I could see, I, like I said, I could see them putting us in Dayton if it's close. Um, and also factoring the strength of the Big Ten, or perceived strength at least, of the Big Ten to uh, our tournament case and hopes as well.
0: Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, got to steal a game at Illinois on Thursday. I think that's pretty obvious. And then a win at Indiana, that will do a lot too. I mean, we almost beat Indiana at home, probably should have beat them at home. Um, so we we could potentially take these final two games. And then make some noise in the Big Ten tournament. Um, definitely gotta take one, obviously. And uh, I think Illinois is probably the best opportunity. Plus, that's another gotta get another monkey off the back. We gotta go beat Illinois. Um, it's been a while, it's been too long. I
1: mean, yeah, Illinois, they, they're beatable. They lost to uh, the 13th place team in the Big Ten.
2: I mean, they're true. Like Illinois is so weird because they're they're kind of Penn State ish in a way where it's like they're either firing on all c- cylinders or it's just not working. Like, they're just such a random chuck it team. I mean, really, it's Terrence Shannon you got to worry about. I mean, they have some solid players, guys, you know, just around. Uh, they have what's his face? Uh, like Coleman Hawkins. I think that he's not a terrible player. They have that big center. forgot his name. Oh, gosh. I want to transfer Baylor. Ugh. Mayor? I think so.
1: Yeah. I think the guy yeah. with the mullet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's. Like you know that there's such a random team, and and like Brandon Underwood's a total fraud anyway. Like it's time we got We got to beat these guys. Like I I think there's a chance, but I mean like with IU, at the same, I feel like the guy that you really got to worry with IU is Jalen Hood-Shafina. Trace Jackson Davis is gonna get his points no matter what, in my opinion. Well, I've watched a good amount of IU. Like he's always gonna get his points. It's, it's, It's like Jordan rules. You you know you can only hope to contain him type type deal. You know he's it's it's not even worth trying in my opinion. But like a guy like Jalen Hood Shafino, like that, like that freshman. I mean, he's he's the guy that puts the daggers in team. Like Purdue lost this week in I.U. Cause Jalen Hood Shafino shot like 35 points or something crazy. Like from deep. Like he was nuts. Like he was going off. So I mean, guys like that, like Xavier Johnson and IU, I, I think IU in a weird sense might be the easier win because I mean they're already secured in the, you know, in the tournament. They they can't, you know, win the big 10. It's already over for them. They can't do it. Um you know, it's going to be like the last show for some, for some people there. It might be, you know, a bit more emotional for them than it is, like, a bit less emotional for them than it is for us. So, I mean, I think there's kind of a chance where we show them up at at, at their final game at home. I mean, I think that they have less to play for, and I think that it is a big factor in games. So, and, and we have kind of the motivation on our side that helps to the fact that, you know, that first game is really closed down to the wire. I'm sure the guys really want that one back, and they get their shot, do it, uh, do it at Assembly Hall. So, I mean, I, in a weird sense, I kind of feel better about uh about the IU game because teams like Illinois where Michigan has to play teams that just you know hit random shots, it just happens against us. I don't know what the deal is. People turn into, you know, circus shooters whenever they play us. So I I kind of I, I almost have a foot in the weird sense. I think we're gonna beat Indiana but lose to Illinois. Which is conversely a better win. I think I think Indiana's a better team.
1: Yeah. No, well, I, I would take it. I would so take uh win over them on senior day down there. Oh, that'd be great.
0: So yeah, I'm looking at the box score right now, and uh, Ch- Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Huchifino, uh Gotta love those names. Um, combined for 49 combined points out of the 62 Indiana points. So
2: Trace had a bad game. He had a really bad game versus IU.
0: Yeah, he went 11 for 23. So yeah, he really um a bad game. He played 40 minutes. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's they have two points off the bench. Um, I think we need Kobe to lock down Hutschefino. Uh, Hunter, who do his best against Jackson Davis, and uh, yeah, I mean, just that's over the I mean, past,
2: in, you know, I think I think yeah. Reed, I think Reed's got to start that game versus him because I mean, like I said, I, I don't Shutter is not an option for him. You you can't throw Shutter out there. He can't defend Jackson Davis at all. I mean, Jackson Davis is what a fifth year guy, fourth year guy. Shutter is is a baby out there. He can't do that. I mean, he he doesn't have the athleticism yet, you know, for that either. Um, that that that's that would be a really scary lineup. Maybe Joey Baker, with just his attitude, would be better. Um, hes I think Joey Baker's common underrated defender, but I would really love to see Terrace Reed start that game. I think he's got an interesting size matchup that, you know, Trice won't be able to just, like, kind of drive in like he does on a lot of people. Like, he kind of just bullies, like – because like, he's, hes he's got this weird kind of size thing where he's super slender, but he's really fast, and so he kind of beats those big slow guys off the break. But, like, those smaller, faster guys, he just kind of goes over them, and then he, he just fades away and hits it. So I, I kind of feel like Reed might be the right guy to start in that game, but I mean, like I said, I think Jalen Hood Shafino is the guy you want to lock down. I mean, guys like, uh, oh, what's his face, number thirty-two, their point guard. I think he's a bomb. I don't think he's that good. It's <laughs> so like it's uh, it's a Garrett something. I forgot his name. Oh, geez, number thirty-two, their point guard. Well, I think Doug's a far better player. I mean, and also the fact he's like six four or something. He's not like aggressive at all. So I mean, someone like Doug is really like peaking right now. I got a funny feeling that's gonna be the matchup that we really exploit is that point guard matchup versus IU. So clearly, I know a lot about IU, but like I, I feel, I feel pretty optimistic about our chances about IU. Like I actually do.
1: I mean, and then there's, I don't. Does Indiana have a game before they play us? Yes, they do.
2: Uh, let me look up who it is.
1: Because I mean, there, there could be a possibility. they still. Yeah, they play um, Iowa. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Okay. That's Okay, Whoa. I was thinking maybe they would still be riding the high of beating Purdue in their own house.
2: No, yeah, they got that that final game was Iowa, which I mean, you don't want to pit, play a pissed off Ryan McCaffrey. It seems. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was <laughs> crazy this weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, that 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 game really kicked off the weekend of chaos of in college basketball. I think that was unbelievable. That was one of that was the biggest choke I've ever seen, and I, I've seen a lot of basketball games in my life. Um, not quite like that. <laughs> and then the stare down, too. I mean, how, I mean, I don't, I don't like Fran McCaffrey, but that was a pretty boss move. Stare down the big oh, 10 no. refs and get away yeah, with it. Yeah,
2: that was an on him moment right there.
0: All right. Um, so, yeah, beat Illinois, beat Indiana, win a Big 10 tournament game, and we're in. Also,
2: just um, that, uh, that quick, uh, Iowa game no this is crazy man like just kind of that this whole weekend has been nuts like it's like kind of recapping this, this whole weekend I've just been insane. Like I just like started to rail it a little bit but like that was crazy I literally left I, they were up like 12 like 54 seconds left I literally left and went to go to the park I saw they lost I was like what
1: i know like, i saw your tweet that said that yeah
2: I, like, I went to the park and i was like i was like oh this game is totally over there's no chance and i went back and watched it. i was like jesus like i i hope that if we never get in this situation i hope coach howard's smart enough to be like hey and i think he is to foul when we're up three that 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 rule of basketball has just worked out so especially with michigan where we, i think we're a pretty good free throw shooting team actually that's one of our strong suits i think i, I hope if we end up in that situation that you know we foul. You know, I I don't want to do the, the is a way of doing things. I mean, yeah, I, I remember when that was
1: a criticism of John Beilein because that had happened a couple times, um, and he he changed his way eventually. He he decided to start fouling when when that um, scenario came, and I think Juwan's done it before as well. I I don't think we've ever had to worry about that. I don't think uh, so either. Yeah, with with that's that's been kind of been his philosophy. But uh, it, it was it was really great to finally get something going. Uh, on the good side for late in games under Juwan. I mean, I know that play didn't exactly happen how it was drawn up, but just to have one go our way for once under him, it's, that's really good to see.
2: i yeah, sure Greg Gard, was she
0: Yeah, I think I saw a stat that was like under Juwan, our team is something, was something like 0-12 in uh, either game time or go-ahead shots at the buzzer, something like that. Um. Not, not good. So I think mean, that's probably why I was expecting Hunter to miss that shot, but I was very happy to see it go in.
1: It just like I mean, I'm sitting behind the bench for uh, like all the home games in the maze region, so I mean, it just seems like there there's always seems to be late in games like that where we all kind of know there's going to be someone's got to take the shot. There always seems to be kind of like chaos in those final seconds, and it kind of felt that way again when before they blocked that ball out of bounds, and then we had the inbound in the corner there to. uh, that led to the winner but yeah it's like I said it's just great to finally be on the good side of it Um, and who knows it may have saved the season Um, and actually right now we're on a uh, we've made six straight NCAA tournaments that is actually the program record believe it or not so if we can find a way to make it in that we this would be a record setting seventh straight tournament appearance for Michigan basketball I was really blown away when I found that out that it's only been six in a row
0: that does not count 2020, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, it doesn't count the COVID okay. sure. Yeah. just because yeah. nobody played the tournament that year. Yeah. We would have made it though
0: and won it. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um all right. So you guys want to move on to some football rumor talk?
2: Oh, from very reliable sources on Twitter. Okay. We have reliable sources and
0: in Pillion will let you steer this one.
2: Yeah, sure. So we have an, you got an inside um, for us. Big Ten Insider at Genetics56 on Twitter, with a uh, Twitter name. His handle being Big Ten, and I quote: "Big Ten football 366 announcement by summer." Blue check mark. So that's that's a good eight dollars. We 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 put down the drain towards Elon's bank account, SpaceX. So um, you know, it, it kind of the claim seems to be that you know we will have one static rivalry, you know, per year being Ohio State, uh, and then. For every four years, we have two, you know, rotational rivals. So it seems per this rumor that our other two will be Michigan State and UCLA. So, and apparently what happened here was a couple weeks ago, all the Big Ten teams, you know, sent in their one vote where, you know, like we voted, like you, you like reserve one opponent essentially. So obviously Ohio State picked Michigan. Obviously Michigan picked Ohio State football reserve. Michigan State picked Michigan. Um, I assume Penn State probably picked Ohio State is kind of what I'm, I'm reading as well um UCLA USC if I had to guess Indiana Purdue probably voted each other uh Rutgers Maryland probably voted each other uh I'd probably assume Indiana Illinois probably voted each other Minnesota Wisconsin also vote each other probably Iowa and Nebraska probably also voted each other if I'm just going to make assumptions for like the static rivalries these are voting for just the statics so how do we kind of feel about that kind of rotation where it's that uh that three six six where you know one year we'll play you know our our three main opponents our one that will never change between Ohio State Michigan a rotating rivalry between Michigan State and UCLA for two uh, four years, and then eventually get two new ones. It seems, and then uh, the other the other opponents we play six and six off year on year. So how do we kind of feel about that kind of rotation?
1: Uh, I actually think it might you might be a little um, mistaken there. I think it's the guy said, and I don't know how if it's reliable. This or is, not. These are
2: all unsubstantiated Twitter rumors. Like there's nothing serious here. This is all just nonsense. So I mean, if I'm wrong, yeah, I'm wrong, probably- I thought I-
1: yeah, I thought he said there would be two ones that would stick, and then the third protected rival would rotate out every four years.
2: Um, I think it's – let me check. I'm on the guy's account. So go ahead. Go ahead. I won't I – won't But, uh,
1: it. yeah, I mean, Michigan, Ohio State, that's a no-brainer. Um, And, like, I mean, uh, we're going to take it with a grain of salt. But, I mean, after the incident in the tunnel and the um all the stuff in the courtrooms that followed – and just the general toxicity and nastiness this rivalry has turned into, I'm not really surprised that we didn't put them on a um, request for a permanent rivalry. Um, I think it should be played every year. Um, it's I, I as someone who's lived in the state my entire life, uh, you guys have as well. I, I'm I am do not dollar you. You're from Michigan, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm confused because you're from Chicago right now, but. Uh, um, Yeah, it's it's, you got to play that game every year. I mean, it's it's nasty with, you know, how the fans are with each other and the players hate each other. Um, But, you know, it's been played every year for quite some time. Um, It's got to be played. Um, uh, I see people on Twitter kind of trolling state fans. I'm assuming some saying it's not even a rivalry at all, which I mean, that's that was the stance we used to have. um, But I don't really think you can deny that it's a rivalry now. I mean, ask Jim Harbaugh if he thinks it's a rivalry. It's personal. Um, so I would like to see that game every year and then Michigan, Ohio state, that goes without saying, obviously. Um, and then UCLA being the rotational one, I wouldn't have uh, guessed that one. I, w- I thought they would have put us with USC just, just because of the amount of times we've played them, um, because we've played USC far more in the Rose Bowl over the years than UCLA. Um, but I mean, USC would eventually rotate on anyways. Uh, and I'm sure there would be, uh, games here and there against USC with UCLA on the schedule as well i mean i like the draw i see ohio state fans not very happy that they get usc uh is there um the one they get out is a rotational one uh but uh yeah i mean i, I would love that i would love that just to go to the rose bowl um and take that place over because you ucla fans don't really exist so they're they're kind of fake just like birds you know
0: <laughs> yeah I, I i was kind of hoping for usc too um Like we we talked about this a little bit last week, but just even like the color clash, I kind of I kind of like that. That was why I Um,
2: was I wanted USC too. You just stole my point.
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, UCLA a little bit of an easier matchup, I would think. Um, For sure. Great, great to go to the Rose Bowl. Um, Yeah, I mean, and according to this, apparently it switches every four years, so I'll take that. Uh, Start off with UCLA, maybe get UCLA uh, later um, or USC later. I would definitely like to see USC a lot more. And to your Michigan State point, uh, I just can't really imagine a season without playing Michigan State. I mean, uh, growing up in Michigan, like um, Michigan State is the big rivalry because, you know, you go to school, you don't really see many Ohio State fans, but, you know, all your friends are either Michigan or Michigan State fans. Everyone in your class is Michigan or Michigan State fans. Uh, Michigan-Michigan State week is, like, a big one. Uh, Everyone's wearing their colors, so – yeah, I mean, these Ohio State's our biggest rival in football, but Michigan State, you know, is kind of like the family rivalry. Uh, obviously, the little brother joke. So, um, yeah, I, I just can't really imagine without a, a season without playing Michigan State. So, um, while it's funny that if it's true we left them off the list, uh, I, I'd definitely rather see us play Michigan State.
1: Yeah, I mean, right. I don't even... I don't even, well, I'll just go real quick before you pill. Um, no, yeah, right. I, I don't really, uh, I don't know who else we would have put on that, that list other than
2: them. I mean, would, it, would Minnesota Northwestern? I mean, that's just. Hitters. Uh, Hitters row. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nebraska. Nebraska would be really cool. I'd be down for one. That's just I mean, kind of what. Penn I don't
0: State believe. would be the other one to me, I think, that I, would I want mean, to see every
1: year. I just don't believe it. I just don't. I just don't buy that. I'm sorry. I just don't believe that report that that Michigan did that. I mean, especially with the stuff, you don't believe in that 56. No, I, I don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's been in account since July, 2008.
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, especially with, I mean, I know the shooting, um, that terrible tragedy, um, that might've happened after the, this thing was supposedly sent in, but I mean, I, I just, I can't, I can't imagine that. I just really can't to yeah, not
2: want that three weeks ago
1: want that game to be played every year. I mean, that's it's part of the culture of living in the state. It just is. I mean, it's it's just you said it best. Dow. I mean that's how it is. you you're either blue or you're green. That's just kind of how it is.
2: All right. So I kind of have a different take on this whole MSU issue. I'd be down not playing them. Um, I, I get the relevance in state as someone you know, like like you guys that grew up in the state, I totally get it, like the rivalry aspect. Obviously, I've, I've been on my fair share of Twitter games with MSU. So I, I understand the rivalry. But my feeling is with this Michigan-Michigan State rivalry, it, we inherently come at a massive disadvantage. Um, when we win, it's no big deal. It's business as usual. Uh, you know, we don't gain anything from it uh when Michigan State wins it's the world's biggest upset we're on ESPN we're on Sports Center it's just you know they get a whole bunch of in-state guys from it's their major recruiting tool you get to beat Michigan and stuff like that it feels like it's their it's their big hullabaloo weekend and with Michigan it's like hey you know like we're just supposed to do this and I, I I don't like playing a team where we don't have a lot to gain when we play Ohio State that's like it is for either one of us for ohio state or michigan like that's how it is it it is the game it's the biggest rivalry in sports like both sides have a ton to gain, you know either whether that be for their fan base and nationally so the michigan state game doesn't feature the exact same circumstances i think in recent years things have been really toxic um no need to run down the list of what happened everyone's aware it's probably listening to this at this point and I think having a pause, where we only play every couple of years, would be good for a while. Um, you know, I, I think just the rhetoric's gotten a bit out of control. There's there's people on both sides that are really bad. um they, they say some crazy stuff, and I'm just like, this is this has kind of gotten to a point where there's just no respect at all. And why why that is, you know, I'm not going to sit here and point fingers. It it, it the, the the important point is that it's here. Um, things have seemed to have gotten better, you know in the last couple of weeks, unfortunately, because of the shooting, it seems, but I mean, it seems like the fan bases have kind of gained more, you know, respect for each other and, you know, kind of came together as a state in kind of light of the tragedy. But on the same side, I, I just feel like Michigan benefits a lot more, and which is what I care about. I don't, I, I don't want to say that like this, like this kind of makes sense, but like, I don't care about like beating Ohio State, I only care about it that it helps Michigan. Like, I, I hate Ohio State, Michigan State, obviously, but I, I only care what benefits the school. And beating Ohio State gives the opportunity. It is it is something to benefit us. Playing use playing at, at the Rose Bowl every year, every other year, every other re- year. Oh my God! Every other year really benefits Michigan as we get more recruiting, more exposure. There's tons of alums out there. There are tons of UCLA Michigan alums like have degrees from both. I've seen it all over. Um, you know, they're, they're two massive fan bases. It it just feels like a really good opportunity, and I would kind of like to explore some different rivalries. I think. We kind of have a nice little one kind of burgeoning with Nebraska. I mean, their fans act super agree with us. I mean, super friendly. You know, they're getting better with Matt Rule. Uh, you know, Wisconsin would be one I'd be willing to pursue. Penn State has always been competitive and not very toxic. And it just feels like for both sides, it'd be kind of good to just kind of, you know, disassociate for a little while. I, it's, I, it's kind of a hot take, I know. But, like, I think it's good for both sides, and it kind of allows us to both kind of stand on our own a little bit without the kind of toxicity that kind of exists right now. That's just my opinion. I, I, I totally get the cultural aspect of it. Like I get it, but like, no, you, yeah. you know, that's just kind of how I feel. I, I understand the university's position on this. If it's true.
0: I, I get what you're saying. And I, I agree. I, I talked about that a little bit last week, how I never actually look forward to playing Michigan state. It's kind of more like I just always want to get the game over with and hope we win. Um, my rebuttal to that would be the nightmare situation of, Losing to Michigan State and then you have to wait two or four years to play them again um, sounds worse than anything else. So, um, yeah, that that would probably be my one rebuttal is I don't want to lose to them and then have to wait multiple years to play them again. Uh, I think that's the one good thing about losing them is you, there's always next year. You always get a chance next year to
2: beat them. So, um, yeah, that'd be my one rebuttal. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. But at the same time, like, they, they tend to, you know, overstep for us. And they tend to, you know, kind of fizzle out for some other games. That's, that tends to be a thing. Losing to Purdue after beating us in 2021 is a great example of that. Uh, in 2020 with Mel Tucker, losing to Rutgers the week oh, – no, it was – who they lose to a week after. They lost to someone right after we played them. They, they, they have that tendency where it's like, you know, they beat us, but they're losing a whole bunch of other games. The real threat to Michigan is if we continue to elevate Michigan state status as an equal, you know, and I think that, you know, it isn't equal, you know, as far as like a Big Ten institution and stuff like that. But it's, you know, if we kind of put them on on this pedestal, we're kind of doing what we're doing at Ohio State and we're kind of lifting them up on our level, you know, and I, you know, to be the arrogant Michigan alum that I am, I think Michigan and Ohio State are the two dominant programs and it's everyone else. Like I, I, don't view everyone. Everyone else as the same threat as I view Ohio State. I never will, ever. Like it's always us too. So when we do this with Michigan State, to me, I think we we kind of invite trouble. Like we kind of, we kind of, you know, it's like with Penn State. Like I don't, I don't treat Penn State like some some hot shakes or anything like that. I don't, I don't treat them like some major program. I think it's Ohio State, Michigan. That's the big time. You know, I know it's arrogant, but like. That's kind of how I feel a little bit, you know. And I think I think kind of making us, you know, annual arrivals kind of puts them on the same kind of pedestal as us. It kind of shows like, hey, we're all, you know, we're all A one. And it's like I I don't know. I think USC is more A one. I think I think of all the schools that we have now in the Big Ten, I think it's I think it's I think it's Michigan. I think it's I think it's Ohio State, and I think it's USC. I think those are the three A one blue blood programs at the Big Ten, and everyone else is just. You yep. know, that's just kind of how I feel. All
0: right. WD, you got any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I just, I hope uh, that something that get, does not get lost in all of this uh, new scheduling is the little brown jug. I mean, that is the coolest tradition in college football, I think. It's the trophy oh, that yeah. started started all trophy games. It's got an organic story. Um, it's the best looking trophy in college football. I just really hope that they find a way to play for it more often than we do right now. It's like every three years right now. And, um, that there, there's no reason that that should be, it doesn't have to be every year, but maybe every other year, you know, you you could play that game. I mean, I just would hate to see that go by the wayside. And then we have that trophy with Northwestern I and mean, we played for it once. So <laughs> I kind of expect to get them, um, and then scheduled more frequently just to kind of, um, just establish that trophy more just because that trophy's got, uh, Greater significance than just being uh, for football.
2: No, I agree. All right. All right. Yeah, I think the little brown jug is huge. I, I don't want to lose that either. And I mean, I think one of the benefits of the three six six is that if we have six and another six, you know, we get the chance to play like those other trophy games more. You know, if it, I assume it's going to work like you know, we play one six one year and then another six another year and then we kind of flip home and away. Is is that safe to assume?
1: Yeah, that's what that's what yeah. I'm thinking.
2: Yeah, so I mean, like even like the MSU situation, we're kind of playing all the teams pretty frequently. I, I always thought that was the kind of the goal of a conference is to you know play every team in the conference by the time you graduate. I, I want to see every team, you know, I, family or friends. I, you know you know that might have gone to like a Purdue or something, and you know, because Michigan fans haven't really seen Purdue in a while, so
1: right, you know, we haven't uh, played Purdue. Well, Purdue will be at the Big House for the first time since 2011 this fall.
2: Yeah, so I think the setup actually kind of works out. Wow.
1: Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering what non-conference games they're going to kill with the, with the sket the um this new schedule being announced. I mean, we kind of talked about it with the Texas game being they'll probably keep the one in 24, but I mean, do we have a we have a home and home with Oklahoma in the mid part of the decade? So I mean, is that going to be on the table to be cut? Who knows.
0: I don't know, maybe we've been bullied enough on Twitter to uh, keep our tough non-conference schedule this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, because other, uh, other than Oklahoma and those, I mean, I think, I believe it's 2025. So when that series starts, we have Central Michigan and Fresno State on the schedule. So kind of hoping that one stays. And if not, I'm sure we will hear it from uh, the people of, of social media that also like to ignore Georgia's week schedule coming up for this season.
2: <clears throat> right. What's their non com Georgia uh, Tech. Yeah.
1: Georgia Tech, and I believe they have some body bag games. Though, the rest of the way, I don't have it in front of me right yeah. now.
2: Okay.
1: And I mean, Georgia Tech—they don't get—they don't get credit for Georgia Tech. That's how—that's there every year. And they are they are they yeah, body that's bag program, itself.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's that—that that program's on the dirt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get a whole lot of credit for that one, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a rivalry game. <laughs> <laughs> See, these <laughs> in state rivalry games, man. I'm just not a fan of them. You know, I want these big national games. I've, I've moved on. But, I mean, as far as the non-con stuff, I I think with the playoffs expanding, I don't know. I think that they're going to stay, you know, with more non-con no matter what, you know. Like, I, I think that, like, a loss or two now doesn't hurt you, which, in a weird sense kind of hurts us, like, in like a Notre Dame sense, where it's like, hey, Notre Dame's going to make it down over year, but, like, Michigan could lose two games now, it won't matter.
1: You know, I, something kind of interesting. It's funny you mentioned Notre Dame. Um, well, I wonder what our list would be. Again, assuming this list thing is legit. Um, I wonder what our list would be if Notre Dame was in the Big Ten. Oh, I'd knock UCLA right out of there. i put Notre Dame in. I'm almost wondering if it would be Ohio State, Notre Dame, and then UCLA. You know what? I think it would be.
2: Wow. Yeah, because think about it. What is... The Notre Dame, Notre Dame brings a lot of the same attributes as MSU. It's very regional, very close, but it has a national scale to it. it's a, it's a really cool rivalry. God, I wish we, I wish they were in this conference so bad to so play them. Oh, oh.
1: I, 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 still have a feeling it'll happen someday. Whenever that day may come, that they'll be forced to join a conference, and if not I'll here, it'll be nice. Knees.
2: I'll, I'll, I'll thank God, you know. <laughs> I, I will yeah. fall to my knees. Yeah, I mean.
1: Uh, that they would not be able to duck us in basketball or any other of the sports anymore that they they've been doing for years now, so that that would be kind of cool. Um, it, would also help,
2: it would also help Michigan State as well if we're going to go on this route of like hey we would replace Michigan State on schedule they would get Notre Dame.
1: yeah you're right that's a that's a historic rivalry, that's a real rivalry.
2: yeah yeah no, that's a real rivalry that's that's a good one. Um, it it God, Notre Dame helps everyone, and then you said USC in the conference, which also works. And Ohio Northwestern State. is right there. There are so many good reasons to have me in this conference.
1: You could have the Notre Dame-Ohio State game be a Big Ten game, too.
2: Honestly, I think that if it were to happen, a Notre Dame joining, and we had the three six six, I don't think Notre Dame would want to play us. Or Ohio State.
1: they, they, they probably, would shoot uh, Rutgers, Maryland, and
2: Illinois. <laughs> Purdue. <laughs> they would shoot for Northwestern. <laughs> I think they'd shoot for Northwestern, USC, and probably MSU if I had
1: to take Purdue. A game. Yeah, I didn't even. I just. That and just Purdue. Registered. Right now, that in state rivalry. Yeah, and Purdue.
0: Was, gonna, is is Purdue to too escape. dangerous for them?
2: The spoiler makers are for real. They've done it. I, you know what's crazy? My dad was telling me, you know, the IU fan he is, that uh, one time IU beat. Um, like they used to play all the time, Notre Dame in Indiana. But one time, you know, Notre Dame lost to Bloomington. Shocker, you lose games sometimes. Uh, and they just never schedule them again. <laughs> they would never go to Bloomington again. <laughs> Which is that's so on brand. <laughs> that and is totally to shocking. Like An in-state rival, so I just didn't say like five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, like that 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 type of stuff happens. So I mean, I, I think they are a little afraid over there, you know. Kind of like I am a Michigan State a little bit, you know, a little afraid. All right.
0: Uh, well, do we have anything else for this week, or is that about it?
1: Uh, I think that's about it, really. Yeah, I agree. All
0: right. Now that we're a weekly podcast, we can can do an hour-long episode um, until we're not anymore. So, all right, I think that'll do it. Uh, WD, you want to take us out?
1: Absolutely. It has been 1,186 days and counting since Ohio State beat Michigan.
0: That is quite a lot of days. Go Blue. Go Go blue. Blue. All right, thanks, guys.